Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Hank Bogler, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. Did you get all of your harvest complete in the harvest moon this past weekend? Wasn't that fabulous? Well, and out here there was an added dimension. We had uh, smoke in the air, kind of. Uh, mm. pretty dark orange, just red moons and red and sun, sunrises the same. I mean, it's pretty wild. I, I believe Lewis and Clark a couple of years ago, uh, I was a little kid and I vividly remember they, <laughs> they, they had those same issues. So evidently fire wasn't invented just last week by the, uh, bunny huggers. So I had a very interesting and very enjoyable weekend. I was uh, assisting Tanya Storer campaign in the 43rd district of Nebraska. The good news and what I'm sharing with you about that is that the former Oregonian, Wayne Smith, came to Rushville, Nebraska to spend the evening with us. It was good to see Wayne, although he did take a moment to chastise me and say, Trent, how come you and Hank are being like every other major media source and not telling people what really started those fires that everybody's talking about in the West? Domestic terrorists. They were set by people who are trying to create chaos and destruction. Nobody's talking about that. Well, <clears throat> the uh, domestic terrorists started with the National Environmental Policy Act. Yeah. It's called the environmental movement. Mm -hmm. That's that's where the terrorism started. Now, uh, uh, who threw the match in in this dry year? Okay, yeah, that's domestic terrorism. But the domestic terrorism, you know, these people are so far away from production of anything. They have been so uh, mamby pamby by our government. Just think about it. Okay, you can open your restaurant. Up to 40%. Okay, Mr. Luce, let's get you to sell. And, and, oh, and by the way, Hank, you have to shut an hour earlier because the virus starts spreading a lot in that last hour of the day. Oh, it does. Okay, well. I'm kidding. Uh, I usually got my bunny rabbit jammies on by 8 o'clock at night. <laughs> I get up okay, at 4. But it's, it's, a, it's a nationwide thing that these restaurants have been told you can be open. You can have 40% capacity. But you need to shut down an hour earlier. What? What does that gain? By the way, none of those well, restrictions exist in Nebraska. Just saying. Who's the clown that's supposed to testify before the, uh, I think the Senate, and and he won't testify on Zoom because he's afraid he's going to get the COVID. Now, on Zoom. On Zoom. Me. Yeah, yeah. He's oh an FBI God. guy. Oh yeah, he's a genius. <laughs> Fire him. Unemploy him because science <laughs> well, obviously doesn't. Well, good because he doesn't. He the facts don't matter to him, so he should not be with the FBI. But you didn't. You're not taking my bait. Even uh, Friday night when I'm in Valentine, Nebraska, there was a major fire just north on the Rosebud Reservation. Uh, there was a fire that burned ten thousand acres, just short, I think, like ninety nine hundred acres. And Hank, those are all set by BLM. Bureau, not Bureau of Land Management, wannabes on the reservation. So, I mean, well, why why can't people talk about <laughs> these individuals are setting these fires? Well, because I had one of those young gentlemen that was came in here on a bus a few years ago. Uh, he said, black trees make green pockets. 
Now, there's no more money wasted in a ridiculous manner than a mm-hmm. fire. Yes, if it's right next to some homes in Napa, Sonoma, Mendocino, and going to make the grapes all taste like ash, that maybe is where you should be. But when you have a fire out here in the middle of absolutely the other nowhere, and they run out there and they bring in the aerial circus, they bring in dozens of fire wagons, they bring in people, they destroy the roads, they they tear everything up, and it's and they are replicating nature only in reverse. It's only been going on for a gazillion and a quarter years, and. Now we put a, we have let that trash build up since the 1960s when we really started figuring out that fire was good big business and it just escalated. I mean, what in the world are we bringing a borate bomber out to the side of a mountain that's been burning for 10,000, 100,000 years, but we put those fires out and tamped them down so many times? that they're twice as explosive, twice as large. And by the by, a few Mm. years ago, a couple came to my house to use my phone to turn in a fire. And it was quite a ways away. You couldn't even see the smoke from here. And guess what? The lady and the gentleman identified the pickup, identified everything. And the lady said, uh, uh, I said, well, if you got that close to that pickup, you saw the pickup turn around and throw a fireball out the window. Hmm. Okay, that's pretty professional sounding to me. Yeah. Uh, what was the license plate? Did you get a look at the license plates? And she says, "Yeah, it was the government plate." And the man said, "No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It's California. They about got in a fist fight in my front yard." <laughs> and you were you weren't <laughs> no, pouring water on that man, fire either, were you? <laughs> I just stood back and never said a word because. The man didn't want to touch it because, I mean, you know, you make those kind of accusations. Right. Uh, you'll have a red dot form on your chest. But she absolutely was adamant. And then they and, and turned around, handed me the hand phone back and left. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And people, it's, it's uh, you know, but the amount of manpower, the amount of per acre that they spent on a couple of fires around here. You know, oh, by the way, if you'll remember back to our friends, the Hammond folks, yep, yep. who were accused of all these actions. I was there. I was there. So now you want to blame it on me? Uh, okay, that's fine. But guess what? We were all in the house The because they beat the federal government out of a few drops of water. They've been on the El Crapola, we're going to destroy you list since the 1980s. And guess what? They're clock gave the time the date and the weather and on that clock my wife took a picture of it and there's this big old lightning strike on it but lo and behold when they did the work when they checked the lightning strikes there were no lightning strikes in the area but Susie Hammond at the reservoir with my granddaughter and my son and her and and uh, uh, Corbin and all the rest of those kids were swimming in the reservoir as soon as that lightning started, Susie says, okay, you know the rules, three strikes and you're out. She no more than said that, and boom, boom, boom. But guess what? They couldn't find any lightning strikes in sure. there. Can you imagine that? Yeah, there's conspiracy all the way around. Our government is a conspiracy. 
They don't mm. want to protect anybody but the people to keep them in business. You know what amazes me, Hank, and, and this is really goes to the uh, the bureaucracy. But as you indicated, it was the 80s when Hammonds first got a target on their back or a red dot on their chest, however you want to look at it. And it was 2012 when it really all came down. Yeah. That's when I testified for him. I think they've right. been arrested before that. Right. But there, you know how many administrations we have gone through? And yet, when you become a target in the 80s, it never leaves you. No. How, how can no. how can the, the, the individual angst against a family who takes on the government and wins live through so many administrations, so many changes in government, and it's 40 years later when it really all comes to head? How can that be? Wayne Hage is no different, really. It's the same exact story. That's right. That's right. It's the same thing because the, you know, I mean, like the gentleman, by the way, his name was Pence. I mentioned when I think George Bush Jr. got elected or whatever. I said, well, I guess we've got a Republican administration. Will that change anything here? And he looked me right in the eye and said, hey, this organization has lived through lots of presidents mm -hmm. didn't bother him a bit his yeah. job was secure and he knew it and so his bully pulpit no matter how big or how small it was there it was in place yeah there's domestic terrorism out there it's in the form of a government that's gone wild government gone wild i mean 50 percent occupancy that shows you right away they don't know what business is all about do we're shipping three loads of lambs this morning California. Uh, I hope you only got half the number of lambs on that truck you can legally have. Otherwise, you could be spreading. Well, COVID. that's a, that's a fact. We got we can't be loading that truck because I mean the the fuel mileage and all of that will be exactly the same. The cost of transportation yeah. will be the same. But we can't be violating some ridiculous rule. The day you know I can't get my men because the American embassies won't open up because they're all scared of the COVID in other countries and or are trying to you know embarrass anybody mm. that would vote for trump that's what it's a lot of it's about they're dragging their feet because a lot of the people ranchers and people the conservative people in this country are going to vote for trump so we're still being punished yeah i we think can't get our e men up here even middle of the road people are voting for trump it's just overwhelming roll out hank vogler trent loose more after this i'm just curious have you watched the stand at paxton county on netflix it's a movie inspired by a true story based in north dakota it's inspired by the attack on animal ownership. I know that sounds aggressive. There is an attack on animal ownership. It comes to living color at the stand at Paxton County on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, I suggest you do so. It's only an hour and 40 minutes. Welcome back to Rural Route. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler, the first Monday of October. Uh, I've got a great Calvin Coolidge quote. Maybe I won't paraphrase it. Maybe I'll find it before we get to that. But uh, what a relief it is to get your crop produced like your lambs, get them on that trailer, and watch them pull out of the driveway. Is there anything better than that, Hank? Uh, I can't tell you on the radio, but there is <laughs> one thing other than that. From a no. business standpoint. No, what do you live for? <laughs> you, you, you live your entire year for that moment of, of, of production. And no matter how tough a year, no matter how yeah. bad of a year, or no matter, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, I mean, we're out there. 
uh, marking the, the we sorted the ewe lambs that we're going to sell off from the lambs that we're going to keep. And, and of course, they're yours, so they, you have a different view probably, maybe not as <clears throat> good a critique as maybe your neighbors could give you. Right. But you look at those lambs and you look at the ones that are going to come back and, and stay here and be the productive animals for the next six, seven years, and you go, gosh, darn, those things are pretty. Look how uniform they are. Look how open-faced they are. Nice, mm-hmm. smooth body, no bibs, no wrinkles. They're going to be beautiful mamas. And no matter what has happened, no matter you couldn't get the labor, all the people that ran off to the dairies and, and all the crap that went on because the dairies are getting them because nobody's bringing anybody in because they, they, the, our government is punishing everybody that has to do with production agriculture because I believe most of us are going to vote for the man that's in power because mm-hmm. he's a man of the people. He's a swamp roller. He just did not realize that the swamp run from coast to coast, up and down the whole corridor. And you were fire, or no Yeah, and you were able to work that in on a question about your lamb crop. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> They're beautiful. My lambs are beautiful. I think. I think the ones that other people are going to buy this spring, yeah. when they're grown out for replacement use, will be very happy with them. And I will be very happy with the ones that I get, you know, bring home. And and then we're going to start. Uh, we'll finish up on them today. We got three more loads of, of replacement use to, to go to California and three today. Then we got the sheep all cleaned up. Then we're going to bring all the ewes in and we'll go through all of them and we won't sort off 50% of them. We hopefully, we have no idea what we're going to do. The horses have destroyed two or three permits, destroyed them. I mean, I, I'm not yeah. kidding. They have cut them into the quick and the horses are suffering, but we just are not high enough on the totem or we've got a bureaucrat because yeah, I've bureaucrat. been outspoken that that's putting the hammer on me, you know, may, you know, that now that the Hammonds are out of uh, San Pedro terminal Island, maybe there's room for me. Maybe Charlie Manson cells getting set uh, up. For me. There's I a lot of room for you in California. I think they've let everybody out that was in. So it's time to re restock. Absolutely. Yeah. And how in the world did the Hammonds become domestic? Terrorists. Mm-hmm. They're domestic terrorists. Our government is full of them. I mean, all these revelations that are coming out that Hillary, dear Hillary, in 2016, set this whole deal up on the Russian collusion. And the Bidens got three and a half million dollars from the wife of the uh, mayor of Moscow. Not Moscow, Idaho, either. I mean, the big Moscow, if anybody had a direct connection with the Soviet Union, with the Chinese, not Soviet anymore, but Russia, and with with China, mm-hmm. all of these countries, those people did. They did it. And, and, and the people are in the government are going along and twisting that around. This is a, this amazing thing. It's, it's completely scary. Because if you think you've got a target on your back now, we're going to get punished. If we don't get something done, because this guy, this outsider that's running for the president of the United States and has shown what he can do in four years as a businessman, the, the rules and regulations are taxes. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that I I can't get anybody here. I finally get three people here in the practically in the middle of the night, finally got them off of the airplane, got them here. They went to work the exact next morning. And my papers say they've all got to sit down with me and fill out a bunch of paperwork. 
Now, do you think that'll make them better workers? Do you think that'll make anything more efficient here on the need more or what? Or if I didn't do it and didn't do it correctly, some bureaucrat from the Department of Labor can come in here and find the crap out of me to justify his job. No different than spending millions of dollars. Somebody should come out and evaluate and say, you know, that fire, let's think about putting that thing out in November when the snow comes. Let's let it do its natural thing. We've, we've, we've built up the trash on the ground. Right. Uh, we, we, you know, why don't we cut timber? Why do, why, you know, Canadians, I love Canadians. All the ones that I've met are the greatest people around. There's as nice of folks as Americans, but we have timber, you know, uh, several years ago, what was it? The, uh, Hamas or one of those Muslim groups talked about setting the forests on fire, just like Wayne Smith is talking about. And they decided there was no use doing it because we didn't take care of our forests. We let them burn down anyhow. So again, now, now they're, now the, I don't know who's doing it, but it's all around. But then they fight well, fire out it, here. It, it's a it's joke. Pretty clear that there are BLM individuals wanting to create chaos setting these fires, but nobody's talking about what's setting them. I don't. I 100 percent agree with you. Is it chaos they want to set, or, or is it chaos, or, or is is it the mother's milk of making pickup payments? I think it's chaos. You know, there's guys that. Well, and there are guys that work for four of those fire crews. They work six, eight months. This year, they're they're getting double, triple overtime because mm-hmm. of all the things that are going on. But in most years, they work six months and they go to the beach for six months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, I mean, what a great life! If you're but a it's the system's man, fault. It's not the people who show up to work. No, absolutely not. But. It's just like a kid coming out of a school. Let's see. We can flip hamburgers. I've got a degree in bunny hugging and, and philosophy. And so I can go to work at McDonald's because nobody wants to hire me with my degree. Yeah. Or I can go to work for the government. And then within a couple of years, I'm making a hundred grand. I got full retirement. I got full medical. Hmm. Let me think who I should go to work for. And all I got to do is vote and show that I'm a vital cog in the wheel of the world wow (laughs) so actually if you follow the logic of what you're saying unless it's your house that burned down the intensity of the fires this year will actually be a good thing in a lot of respects a hot season fire if it scalds the soil Mm -hmm. is tough it, it takes, you have to reseed it, you have to do things, and a lot of it washes down. You know, why do you think California Gold Rush? All of those mountains for tens of thousands of years have been burning in those heavier minerals concentrated in those streams. Most of that gold was not vein gold, it was placer gold, which came down from wherever the vein was at, and it was found in the creeks. Well, I would think after those fires, there's going to be some soil movement down the hill, uh, you know, what, what is it? The Sacramento Delta? Well, where do you think the Sacramento Delta came from? Came off the top of a mountain for tens of thousands of years. And then when the water slowed down and got close to the ocean, the dirt spread out. And it's the same way here. Where this house sits, well, the, the bottom of this valley the, floor all washed down. The whole San Joaquin Valley, which 
could be argued the most fertile uh, farm-rich region of the world is created by Mother Nature and devastation, erosion from just what you just said. So, again, we go out and we go, well, we got to put these fires out. And they did. They didn't have controlled burns. You know, there's afternoons in January if you wanted to burn out some draws and some canyons and clean some crap up mm-hmm. and not even the, the soil's frozen. It won't even, won't even harm what's there and, and burn then instead of in August or in like in this year's catastrophic, they're still burning in October. Burn them in cool seasons and then it doesn't scald the soil. If that's, a, if that's your, your idea of protecting the resource, great idea. But for guys sakes, it's been going on for a long time and there's no perfect system, but there has got to be somebody that can breathe and chew gum at the same time that says, you know what? This fire is 30 miles in any direction from a fence, a pole line, a structure of any source that will burn. Let's let mother nature have its way. But no, we got to spend two or three million dollars. We got to put all these people out there, and it's like the circus coming to town. All the grocery stores, uh, all the motels, yeah. hotels, I've, all get money. I got an analogy, but I'll have to share it with you when we come back at the start of the second half. Roll out Trent Loose, Hank Bogler. More after this. Let's talk for a moment about looking at the future of food animal production. Neogen is shining a light on your genetic future, taking a look at the genomics that are present within certain animals and then identifying those animals that we want to reproduce most frequently. That might be for stability in the cow. The sire will tell you that. You can gather this data with a tissue sample at birth. You can learn so much about looking on the inside of the animal's genomics. That is what we must continue to do. Neogen making it possible and making it affordable. More details at neogen.com, shining a light on your genetic future. Welcome back to Roll Route, Trent, Hank, not Hank the cow dog, Trent the cow dog, Hank Bogler. Actually, the misunderstanding with the fire is no different than the misunderstanding of the virus. Yeah, that's right. That's that's a true story. Trying to put it out in little hot spots, not understanding that until it just burns, it's going to be a problem. The, the management of these on. issues, is, exactly. Nobody seems to understand the management of Mother Nature anymore. You don't control it, you manage yeah. it. Yes, and making lumber, taking uh, the chips and everything else and making particle board. There, the, the amount of use of a tree today is when I was a kid and those logs used to roll through Burns, Oregon, to the mm-hmm. Edward Hines Lumber Company mill in Hines, Oregon. The the amount they they used to burn the sawdust in the wigwam burner, and some uh, when the temperature inversions are just right. I mean, the whole valley was full of smoke from just burning the sawdust. Now they make particle board. They're, they're make, they can make presto logs. The 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 value of one tree is so much higher. And what value do we put on it? Beetle kill. Let it fall down. Let it pile up for fifty years on the forest floor. And so the intensity, the damage that the fire causes, and yeah, there were areas even when the pioneers started coming west that hadn't burned in a hundred years. And then there were trees that I used to cut down 
And you could see that they'd been through three or four or five fires. But once those fires went through, they cleaned out the underbrush. And, and survival of the fittest, Darwin's theory, was in full vogue for tens of thousands of years, managing the forest. But when, and you know what, Trent, the thing that, not that I get excited, not that I get irritated, not that I talk too loud, not that I get the purple slobbers, but you know what? When I go into Banker Tougher and all with my meager check or whatever it is because of issues that have happened, I can only do that a couple of times, and I wind up being a janitor at some high school. But the people in the environmental movement had one premise. If the white European evil racist Nazis did it for the last 500 years, it's wrong. Let Mother Nature take its course. And so for 50 years, we have suffered under that doctrine. Whether Democrat or Republican in power, everybody's in the environmental movement. Oh, you want dirty air? Oh, you want dirty water? Oh, you want all the salmon to die? Oh, oh, baloney. The environmental movement has never, ever been held accountable for their mistakes. I can only do it a couple of times. And Miss Sarah will say, hey, you're a nice guy, but you're out of business. You've burned up your tickets. Bring your dolls and dishes to town. Period. End of story. That's private enterprise. Government goes on forever. And so has the environmental movement. They should be ashamed of themselves. But they're getting more money in every day to do nothing except allow everything to go south. There is your true domestic terrorist. Okay, I'm through. I'm all right. Well, that, that's still the biggest misnomer, is they're not about the environment. They're pseudo-environmentalists, but they found a way to use the environment to get people to send them money. Founder of Greenpeace will tell well, you that. And that all started in the Vietnam sake. War. Well, that's because all the kids during the Vietnam War, the government made an out so you didn't have to go to war. Uh, you could go to college and... And there was only so many of them that could count to 10. So they took basket weaving, fly tying, and they got degrees in biological review science or something like that, or mm. renewable natural resources. And so they flooded the government with fluffy stuff. Now, if they got out too early, oops, got a problem. If they, but if they could, if they could drag their feet long enough, they could stay out of the war. That was most of it. That was called the draft. So that leads into a great question. Why is it that colleges and universities is such a collection of these liberal individuals that we're talking about that don't see reality? Does the, the university system create them or does it just attract them? Well, both. One of the things that, it, again, follow the money. Mm -hmm. uh, the government, my parents, everybody, everybody that I grew up with, every high school class, right down to woodshop, there was conversation about, hey, you get a college education, and your chances of having a better job at higher wages, expenses paid in a car, because you're on TV here locally, and you can't quit because you're a star. Well... That's what they did. 
the college education that emphasized, they didn't emphasize becoming a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, or any, anything like that. It was, man, you want to get away from all of that because your parents went through the depression, your parents went through tough times, and, and, and the college educated. So we created jobs for all the people that were not needed. And then we had to help finance all the educational opportunities. So everybody went to college. The government, now we have huge debt. Well, did we get a better education by throwing money at the Department no, of Education? we have gotten worse no. education. We got more bureaucrats. Yes, we got more bureaucrats, more racial diversity, more all the, all the touchy-feely crap rather than the hard science. The reason that you go to college, we taught everybody philosophy. And we need some philosophy, but we don't need thousands of them. And then they find out they got a degree in fly tying. Yeah, I got a, I got a philosophy. Nobody wants to hire them. If people don't get their hands dirty, we're not going to make stuff that people need. That's my philosophy. And guess what? I think people who get their hands dirty, people who ate a little dirt and drank out of the garden hose when they were kids. Uh, what do you mean when I were kids? I drink out of the garden hose every day. <laughs> Me too, but I mean that you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it, so what? Uh, we we learn to build up a little resistance to somebody, but when you bathe in in some sort of uh, 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 antibacterial stuff and and wash your hands ten times a day, and you live in the sterile environment, the littlest thing, a cold, anything, comes along and it knocks you to your knees. Yeah, I honestly I, think that when I went and picked some guys up at the airport, mm -hmm. I have never been tested, but I think I got that deal, the uh, coronies. Uh, I was sick for four or five days. I mean, good sick. Mm -hmm. And then, then it went away, but it wasn't popular to have the coronies then. <laughs> it was just, oh, well, here comes the flu. When when do you think that was? So. Uh, it was in March or something. I, I picked up some guys at the airport yeah. in, uh, in, in Las Vegas, and that was before you were wearing masks and all that crap. And, right, which and, do and nothing And I for don't you. know, maybe these other guys got sick too, and nobody nobody was down, but I was down for four or five days. Yeah. And I had a terrible uh, headache. I don't remember the thing about not being able to taste, but I maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't care. Well, if you're sick, but you don't care if you're tasting or not. <laughs> I, I still say, Hank, we're going to feel, people are going to feel the repercussions of this hand sanitizer situation. I mean, people are putting hand sanitizer on every three minutes. I don't, I never used this stuff before this issue. I'm certainly not going to use it now. You're only creating a longer term problem <laughs> because it breaks down bacteria that you need. What did Dr. Seamus Carr tell the dumb sheep herder while he was laying in the bed and was they were using the bedpan on me, hitting me over the head with it most of the time, just to make me stay in bed. No, I can't believe that. And he said, you're going to die. And I said, everybody in this hospital tells me I'm going to die. Why am I going to die now? He said, well, you've got this giant fistula that's grown off of your spleen. It's dr grown through your diaphragm and into your lungs, and it's just full of poison. Mm -hmm. Infectious diseases will love you because they'll hook you up, and they'll knock down 99.9% .9 of it. But one-tenth of one percent of that crap, bacteria, whatever it was, is going to come back, and it will be resistant. It will mutate, and it will be resistant. And six months from now, it's going to come back with a vengeance, 
and our antibiotics will not be able to treat it. And you will tip over. You will have a dirt man. You will be room temperature, whatever you want to call it. So he gets in there, hoses all that stuff out, you know, had a <laughs> tremble drill, drilled it out of my I'm head. I'm sure that he loves that visual that you've just created for his artistic work as a surgeon. Go ahead. Hoses and, it out. And then he, <laughs> and, and then he took a, 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 a shop vac. <laughs> yeah, stuck it in exactly. my ribs, sucked all that crap out of there, and then gave me a few antibiotics, and I went trotting out of the hospital. And let me tell you, big guy, there's nothing prettier than the Huntsman Cancer Center in the rear view mirror. <laughs> Better than so, the yeah. lambs on the truck headed for San Diego. Better than what headed for San Diego? You the lambs on the truck away. headed for San Diego. Well. You know, I could look out my window and once in a while I'd see a moose on the side of the hill or, or I'd see some deer walking by or some mm. wildlife. That was pretty cool. But I could see the top of that black meat wagon backing up to the back door of that place every morning. <laughs> and they backed her up there every morning. And if that wasn't an incentive to go, oh, boy, are they coming after uh, me? Yeah, <laughs> and you're still with us today thanks to a garden hose and a shop back. That's what I'm going to take away from you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and well, a tremble nice. drill. <laughs> yeah. You sure it was a, a garden hose or was it a power washer? I don't know. Whatever. You know, I'm the only guy that ever had his peritonitis guts washed out and woke up with a sore shoulder. And they and Seamus finally told me what happened. The harness they put on me because I have broad shoulders, they didn't get it on quite right, and they filled me up with water and they tipped me upside down to clean me out. Yeah, it come off and I fell down on the cement floor. Wait a minute. Yeah, but it hit your head, and that's the hardest part of you. So they, it was all good. There was no danger. <laughs> It wasn't a vital organ for me. So what, what could that do? Roll route. Hank Trent loose. One segment left after this. Long Creek Cattle Company providing the opportunity for cattlemen to achieve profitability like never before. I can honestly say that because there is a premium involved in this specific targeted quality of beef like you've not seen before. A $180 per head premium on top of the top feeder calf price. The reason you get that is that Lone Creek has narrowed these genetics down to the ones that produce the most tender beef imaginable thanks to the Piedmontese cattle. Get more details about how you accomplish that, how you're a part of the system at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. It's your cows. You take your cows, breed them to Piedmontese bulls from Lone Creek Cattle Company via AI or natural breeding, your choice. Do the normal health protocol, and you qualify for the premium. Details from Marlon Will at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. Welcome back to Roll Route Tret Loose alongside. Did you really fall out of the harness, or is that a Hank? That's Bellison? what he said. I, all I know is I woke up with a sore shoulder. And, and, of course, I had all those tubes in me and everything, and, of course, nobody put any liniment or anything on my shoulder so, and I could oh, I couldn't hardly tell anybody my shoulder hurts so a few days later I said what the heck what happened to my shoulder oh I'll tell you one of these days and, <laughs> and then I don't know, it, <laughs> the doc come out here during during uh shipping you know he's Irishman 
and and I think he had some latent ideas that he should have been a sheep herder instead of a heart surgeon and a lung surgeon. <laughs> but anyhow, he uh, he came out here and he finally told me. He said, "Well, they didn't get the harness on you right, or your shoulders were broad, or whatever it was. But anyhow, you fell off when they tipped you upside down, or tipped you over on your side, or whatever they did to clean your guts out when you had the peritonitis. Yeah, wash all the crap out that was flowing into your chest cavity." Or into your lower uh, abdominal cavity, uh-huh. you fell on the floor. <laughs> so, anyhow. and this was after uh, pancreatic cancer. Yeah, they'd already got the cancer, yeah. but the operation right. didn't hold. And yeah, so well, then I got peritonitis. One in a million survive <laughs> uh, pancreatic cancer. Uh, one in ten million survive being dropped on their head while in a hospital. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, one time when I was young, uh, derelict juvenile, uh, a policeman hit me with a billy club, and uh, imagine that. And then, <laughs> and I didn't go down, and I don't know if he didn't put enough oomph in it or what, but it kind of spooked him. <laughs> and he, he told me as he was putting me in the drunk tank, uh, he said, "You know, Mister, I've." whacked a lot of people with this billy club but you're the first one that at least didn't go to his knees and all i could say was well you didn't hit me in a hard in a place <laughs> that had to be like in a reason <laughs> so yeah. but i quit that a long time ago a long right. time thank ago. you for clarifying that yeah <laughs> and you didn't sue the police officer either <laughs> no i was just me and my buddy were just really tickled <clears throat> sitting in that uh, drunk, they were drunk tanks weren't as cute as probably they are today. I mean, there was quite a bit of activity going on in there, and we're sitting on this little old tiny cold bench, and there was just a hole in the center of the floor, and and our our, our cellmates uh, were in worse shape than us, and it kind of it woke this young lad up about this is no fun. You have yeah. to figure out not to let this ever happen again. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the point, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. And it woke, it woke, I was, I was uh, 16, I think. Yep. <clears throat> it woke me up, I guarantee you. And, and there was no, you know, my mom and dad, they didn't sue anybody. Of course, I didn't tell them, uh, where I was at for the evening. <clears throat> but anyhow, uh, they let you us You got out without your mom and dad finding out? Yep. I called my friend's mom and we called her and being, we didn't have ID in those days, and oh. <laughs> so we didn't tell them who we were. But they, they let uh, Gary made a phone call, and, and uh, Mary coming. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> got us. This would be what we appropriately referred to as the good old days. Well, yes, and 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 I know two gentlemen. My friend became a doctor. And uh, I became a sheep herder, which may not have near the glamour to it, but uh, I believe it straightened both of us out quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember ever having any more trouble with them. So, huh. <laughs> so again, you know, those things will happen in the best of families. So, yeah, yep. It's called and, growing and, up. And no actually. repercussions. You know, there nobody rioted in the streets. Nobody did anything. And I think we had to give twenty dollars to the ambulance fund or something. And that was a lot of money in the olden days. <laughs> yeah, that would have been. Yeah. 
right. So what is it? Back to the issue at hand. What is the sheet market steady through the roof? You know, it kind of it kind of hit that bottom, and then they mm-hmm. got that. Uh, they reopened that plant in Texas, and uh, then uh, Raftopolis and those guys got that one going in Colorado. It's not going to kill as many. Uh, I mean, harvest as many lambs as they did at the at the Rosen plant, but at least it was a pickup. I think there's a lot of domestic just elimination by people buying lambs and selling to the ethnic groups, things like that. I, I and I don't know of anybody else that made great big lambs or you know, they <laughs> it was a tough year. My lambs are about ten pounds lighter. Is that right? Seven pounds lighter. Yeah. yeah. Uh so as bad as you are I mentioned very early in the program that I was traveling the northern part of Nebraska. You get up to northwest Nebraska, it, the drought is pretty severe. But I think there's an area in Colorado that is as severe as you are this year. I had a friend that was at Eaton, Colorado, over the weekend at a, a bull sale. I don't know, it was a cow sale of some type. He said that right there in Eaton, Colorado, which straight north of Denver, less than an inch. Yep, I've been tw- there. For 20 20 and it's just that country is not used to the same kind of uh lack of rain that you are i'm I'm, i mean it's not a heavy rain area it's just that less than an inch would be significantly felt but it must look really really bad but so i didn't want you to be whining that you're the only one in america in the severest of severe droughts in 2020 no we're not and and the drought has grown now you want to blame it on global warming, global cooling? I don't care what it is, but we have to get through it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, every bureaucrat in the world still getting their check, no matter yep. what's going on. Exactly. You know, they didn't get laid off during the pandemic. Uh, so again, the, you know, the, we have to feel the sting of the master's whip. Nobody understands that when they took away the most effective control of coyotes to where I would have had more 80 pound lambs to get on the truck. Had they had been under a far better control than they are now, it's, you know, oh, well, they can stand that kind of gaff. Oh, oh, we tripled the amount of money they have to pay to get these guys in. Oh, we pay it now instead of having a 18 month, three year contract or anything like that. Now we got to get it every 10 months. Just, you know, you just add and add and add and add because they're sitting in an office. The bureaucrats now make more money than people do at the same level than the private industry does. And, and we, we continue to add bureaucrats. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And if they can get away with it, more rules, more regulations, yeah. more phone calls. So, uh, you know, we saw a pig and a chicken on the wrong side of the fence. <laughs> um, I didn't find, uh, I haven't looked, I didn't, but I can paraphrase the Calvin Coolidge quote in the 20s that I think is so appropriate today. And I'm going to spend more time studying him because he was a farmer uh he was adamantly opposed to farm subsidies all subsidies not just farm subsidies but obviously i talk about farm subsidies because he said that if we subsidize the farmer the day will come when the farmer will be suffocating in regulation and bureaucracy oh that, that was kind of insightful wasn't it in the 20s <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. fdr yeah. screwed that all up within 10 years with the the new deal but that's where where it well, all started but look look where it got look it got 
his party in power, I don't care if he's a Democrat or Republican, but with that idea, with that explosive expansion of mm. government, they have ensured for the, from that day forward almost 100 years. We're approaching 100 years of the growth of the federal government and state government and county government. All of these things predicated on that very fact that you get a constituency that is going to vote. If you get up and say we have to limit the United States Department of Agriculture or Forest Service or what, department, anything, you immediately have every one of those as a constituent that's going to vote against you, Trent Lewis, for coming up with that wild idea. Yeah, and I then know. they're going to call their mom and dad and say, hey, can we get in the basement? If if this darn Trent Luce gets elected, we're going to wind up uh, – we can't make our payments on our, all of our toys and all of our things that we've got in our, in our brand-new BMW and our – $450,000 house. We can't afford that. We're going to move into your basement. So mom and dad's going to get out and vote. They're going to go campaign up and down the streets, no matter how radical or how crazy an idea has come. They're going to do it. They're going to send money to the people that are going to keep their little world going and the heck with the people, the rest of us. You know that and a that's year ago, happened. I guess it was two years ago now. No, I think it was last year. I ran for county commissioner. In my home county. Did your uh, wife vote for you or not? I, yes, she I did. Know. In fact, a lot of people voted for me because since I've lived in Sherman County, which is now 17 years, um, I've never seen a county commissioner get 100 votes. They always win with about 80, right? Uh-huh. I got 135 votes in my county district and got beat by 60 votes. Yeah. 87% turnout in my district because I took that message that you just said. I didn't share it probably effectively enough. I didn't get to people and explain what I was actually doing. But enough people heard that Trent is going to reduce the size of our government at the county level that we better get out here and fix this. I got 135 votes, Hank, and got beat by 65 with an 87% turnout. That's a big deal. That's a good deal. <laughs> Is that when you got that concealed carry permit that you found out you didn't have any friends? No, I got that when Kelly <laughs> decided she was running for school board this year. <laughs> and now she's got people calling her saying, how can you be so wanting to destroy our public school? I, she doesn't want to destroy the public school. She wants to spend money appropriately, spend it like a farmer does to get more efficiencies, not just spend money because we don't like the blue chairs anymore. We want black chairs. Yes, of course. And we want this and we want that. And it's, you know, I mean, it's just county money. And if we don't spend it, it won't be. Somebody else will. So, yeah. Yeah, we got to yeah, spend it. Somebody it. else will. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Average income in, for the state of Nebraska, uh, the average school expenditures per student statewide is about 13500 Our school spends $24,000 per kid per year, and our achievement scores are near the bottom every year. You tell me we don't need a reform? I'll also tell you another issue. We've successfully journey down the road connecting rural and urban America. Hank Bogler, Trent Lewis, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route with less of a swamp. 
Certified Piedmontese definitely using the Neogen technology for genomic identification. Knowing that every single calf has the myostatin gene present, that's what we do with Neogen. More details about that at Neogen.com and details about the Certified Piedmontese system. See, they work hand in hand. Details about that at LoneCreekCalco.com. Taking a tissue sample is really easy peasy.